well We shook what our mamas gave us Till we couldn't shake no more We got down on our knees When cancer knocked at our door We got kicked in the ass We gave lots of sass But when it rains it falls Into this half full glass Oh, thanks cancer Thanks cancer Thanks cancer Victories in the dark You're listening to Thanks Cancer I'm Mimi Hall I'm Leanna House We're two cancer friends. We are not doctors. No, and we're not shrinks, we're not nurses, or anything like it. And because of that, we are going to use some appropriately obscene language. Let's just call it salty. Anyway, we hope you'll enjoy it. This is the podcast we wish we had when we were dealing with our treatment. Hey, so Leanna, what are we talking about today? Today, Mimi, we're talking about cancer conspiracies. Mm, So... This was your idea for an episode, and tell me what fascinates you about this topic. So when you get diagnosed with cancer, people come out of the woodwork and refer you to the magic bullet, the answer. There's a lot of interest out there in what causes cancer, because a ton of people get cancer, and how to cure cancer, because we a ton of people get it. So there are ideas about just kind of crazy things about what might cause cancer or how we can get rid of it. Why do you think the idea is so appealing that we go on this quest to find it? Like, what do you think is underlying that quest for knowledge? I mean, mostly, I think we are convinced by our fears and our hopes. And cancer is really scary. And sometimes the only thing you have is hope. So if there's someone who has the answer... Mm -hmm or the solution to this problem like that is that is something that we believe because we want to believe it i wonder too if it has to do with wanting an enemy we so often right refer to this as a fight as a battle as a struggle and it's like you want an enemy to blame well it's about labeling who started that war It's about labeling, so if you put a name on it and put a cause on it, you can be like, oh, I thought about that, Mm -hmm. and put it out of your mind in a way that you can't, if you can't make it into an enemy. Right. I mean, for me, I'll just say, the reason, I went through this a lot the first, I would say, like, month or two after diagnosis, and what I really wanted to do is figure out how to avoid stuff in the future. Oh, that's a very appealing Like, thing. is it the lipstick I'm using? Is it the antiperspirant I'm using? Is mm-hmm. it the whatever I'm eating? Was it the tofu? That was one of my first questions. Well, and it's you want control of it. Right. I think in the end it is about control. For the past, the present, and the future. Like, what did I do in the past that led me to the situation in the present? How can I avoid it in the future? Yeah. Like, you would logically to any situation. Well, and human beings are also hardwired to look at secrets. Right? Mm, like, that's very appealing to us as a group. And then if you know, you're part of this group that knows. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something that's really been ticking me off lately. Um, I guess over the past couple of days, um, you know, on the various news feeds coming up through different outlets, there was a research study, and I think it was done in Britain, talking about how lifestyle choices could reduce your chance of cancer by 36%. Let's all do that. I, I just have to say, as someone who's gone through this, 
and you tried to be really proactive my whole life about everything I did. I mean, I had a really nice diet before this happened. You, I don't, you couldn't get much better, really, than my diet in general to avoid cancer. And I still got it. And, you know, I just sort of feel like sometimes when I see those things, I get kind of angry and I'm like, just feel like screaming, like, nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. It might come knocking for you, too. I mean, I check that and I sort of I try to laugh at it about about it a little bit. Because I well, think I've gotten through the idea. I think I've purged through the idea that we can never find a cause for this, you yeah. know? Well, I think we will find a cause, but... Right, but when? Right. Will Certainly, it be in our lifetime? I don't... We don't have a cause right now for our cancers. We don't yeah. have a definite cause for our cancers. So it would be... It's appealing to think that there is something out there or some some way we can make it better. Well, and look, I will say this. Like, I went through my medicine cabinet. I have really purged down to a very minimal number of petroleum products. I think that's a good idea for anyone to do for a lot of reasons. Your skin gets a lot better if you just use, like, simple olive oil on it versus, like, some weird petroleum product. Because, like, why would you put oil or tire product on your face anyway? But it's really bad for people who have funky oncogenes, you know? Anyway, so I think there's some things you can do to really purge down they're probably tips you should take no matter what yes just cleaner simpler living with less chemicals yes just living a healthier life is always advisable even if you're doing it because you think that sugar made you have cancer what are the things that have cropped up for you that you think are maybe possibly true causes of this or maybe are possibly like things that people point to as causes that maybe aren't true that are typically perceived to be true by folks Okay, so we've heard since the 90s that cell phones cause cancer. Right. Brain cancer, everyone started getting cancer because the radiation or whatever it is that cell phones emit. I heard too once that women who stored their cell phones oh, in their Oh, I heard that one too. Got different. Oh my God, that's, a, that's, a, that's like, a twofer, your bra and your cell phone. Yeah, like conspiring you, but together, it, like formed, and they were very odd tumors in that they weren't one genotype; they were multiple genotypes. They were like lots of different mutations. Okay. I don't know if that's true, but I remember hearing that when I first got diagnosed. So this is this is one of those things. Both of these cell phones and bras. I don't think that that's. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough evidence, but at the same time, so there is a range of causes. There's things that we know definitely don't cause cancer like drinking water definitely doesn't cause cancer right well what kind of water and are you in flint michigan <laughs> oh my goodness no but really no so more on this later about the water right but there are things that we know almost certainly don't cause cancer mm-hmm. and there's things that we know almost certainly do cause cancer mm-hmm. but in between those things are a wide range of maybe sort of kind of Probably not, maybe not. Like you have this whole range of causations. It's of a causation. range of causations. Yes. And things that we will know in the future better. But right now, you know, so I don't think that it's very likely that bras or cell phones cause cancer. But, you know, I guess I guess there's a small chance that we could discover in the future. Yeah, like I would put it my, like, like I remember asking right away, like, what about tofu? Because I love tofu. Oh, and soy. I drink soy milk. Did that give me cancer? I mean, it could have, you know what I mean? Like, honestly, because, like, the soy isolate proteins are really bad when they're processed and they're synthesized, and if they're GMO, because they bind with the glycophosphonate. I mean, I, I knew that from my work at, in the local food movement, and it could have. But I think tofu, 
non-processed tofu, like organic tofu that you just sort of chop up into blocks, those sort of bland little cubes. I don't think that actually caused it. I asked specifically about that because I eat a lot of tofu every yeah. week. So I asked about that. So I feel like that my trajectory is like low. Now, somewhere like more towards the middle is like the deodorant that I used, which okay. had aluminum in it. And I used the same deodorant. And I used to actually say to people, feeling very smart about this, well, I use the same deodorant so my body knows the chemicals. I knew I shouldn't be using antiperspirant, but that's somewhere sort of like, like on that bell curve, like 25, 20% of the way up. And then, yes. Okay. So then in the middle there, I'm going to put stress for me. Like in the middle there, that's where I actually think that's one of the things I think about for me where I'm like, I don't know if the stress caused the cancer, but I think the stress made the cancer burn faster. Yeah. I also sometimes wonder if the cancer made the stress come up. More, I was feeling more stress because of the cancer. Well, some of these things, even though there's not a clear cause that stress causes cancer, it's hard to imagine that stressing your body out all of the time doesn't cause bad things. Right. The other thing that I would definitely put closer to the causation too, and this wouldn't be like why I got cancer, but it's something I just believe in general macro and something I've really tried to cut down in is sugar. I think sugar is just a really dangerous game if your oncogenes are funky. So I don't think sugar is good. I think that sugar feeds cancer because sugar feeds cells and cancer is cells. So sugar feeds cancer in the same way it feeds everything else. And sugar is not good for you. Like we don't need any more studies to tell us that sugar isn't good for you. I don't think it, it might exacerbate cancers. But I don't think it causes cancer in that really clear, straightforward way. Here's what I think causes cancer. Here's yeah. a here's a story I believe. Yeah. Pollution. Mm-hmm. I think that we are deluding ourselves if we don't think that, to put it bluntly, shitting in our food isn't... Like, we have... We're polluting the oceans. We're polluting the the groundwater. We're using plastics at a huge rate. There is so much stuff, even in our filtered water, even in our purification plants, that it gets through. We're, we're breathing it in, right? I think a lot about what happened to our moms when they were little girls, and there was a lot of nuclear testing going on um, above ground and underground. And um, I think about the fact that we, their eggs, were probably affected by that. Interesting. Yeah. Good and good thing we all came to grips and got rid of all of our nuclear energy and weapons. Yeah, right on. We replaced <laughs> with a lot of new petrochemicals. We're living in the age of plastic. Another thing that I've heard about, too, is pickles. And I don't know. I, I think that's a little weird. I think it may have to do with the type of pickling or something like that. But I've heard that pickled food is very much like, mm, watch out. Like kimchi or... All pickled food. And I don't know. I call BS on that. I think that's weird. But anyway, get back to some of the things that you think. No, I think that's totally weird. Back to this pollution thing um, that I think you're really right about. The incidences of brain cancer are really, really high near highways. And it's also been proven in urban areas, your biggest carcinogen that's in the air right now. Now, this isn't in the past, but this is right now. It's brake dust, actually. It's rubber. Again, petroleum products that we're breathing Mm -hmm. in in the cities and it's something that I've been thinking about I mean I've been living in cities you know for almost oh gosh that's scary almost 
30 years now, so I guess 28 <laughs> years now. Yeah, that's longer than I grew up. I grew up in, you know, the provinces. I grew up by the ocean, um, you know, on the Cape. And so it, it does, it, I have to tell you, like, ever since I went through treatment, I have been craving to spend more time in the woods, in clean air. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think that the causes of cancer are hard to isolate because there are hundreds of types of cancer. So what is a myth for one type of cancer might not be a myth for another type of cancer because mm -hmm. brake dust might not cause all types of cancer, but it might cause lung cancer for specific instance. cancers. Correct. Correct. And the same with colorectal cancer because uh -huh. you'll read these things about not eating certain types of pickled items or smoked meats. Well, that right. may be true for colorectal cancer. I don't know. You know uh -huh. what I mean? But, in but a way it's that not, it's not true for other types of exactly. cancer. Interesting. So, yeah. No, it is interesting. So like, also, I mean, one of the things that, that, that's come up for me, and I'm a vegetarian, but you read these studies about eating meat, and it's like, yes. okay, so this is something where it comes down to reading studies, too, to make your own decision on where does this fall on your own personal range well, of and causation. Un understanding how causation works, how statistics work, Correct. how studies work. Right. So think about this. So if they're doing a study of does meat cause cancer, you know, in some part of your body, they're not necessarily asking about the quality of the meat in the studies. Actually, yeah. in almost all studies to date, there is no quality of meat that is defined. That is far too granular and specific to get funded, most likely. Yeah, that's that's true. It's and, very interesting. And what type of cancer? How many people? Correct. What metrics did they use? How did they measure it? As someone who's been involved in the local food movement, I immediately ask, oh, is this eating McDonald's once a day or eating a small piece of grass-fed beef once a day? It could actually be the same amount of actual meat, but that quality of meat, the amount of hormones it has in it, the processing of that meat, the preparation of that meat, all varies. And that is something that these studies don't typically drill down into. So I think... Well, and certainly the the news articles on Huffington Post about the article doesn't drill down on that. You just hear that wine causes cancer. You hear that wine prevents cancer. And all of a sudden you're like, well, everything causes cancer and everything prevents cancer. So nothing matters. Well, that's where it gets sensationalist. And that's where it comes into like these things that I think drives you and I both crazy for different reason about mm -hmm. these people who think that there's some huge conspiracy behind the traditional cures such as chemotherapy radiation surgery that's being used by conventional medicine right now so the conspiracy is that the doctors or maybe big pharma knows the cure for cancer but they're hiding it so that doctors or pharma or someone can make a lot more money right and that we're like they're bilking the world because we all need a cure for this and we need these very expensive treatments. Yeah, this is actually not seeing the miracles that are actually unfolding in front of you. So my cancer was melted away in three chemotherapy treatments of TDM1, which is developed by Genentech. <laughs> they are big pharma. They are the epitome of big pharma. They're working on immunotherapy. So I had very low side effects and my, my tumors literally melted away. I was part of a trial study of 110 women that I was very lucky to be a part of. And I felt blessed by big pharma. Well, and how much more is big pharma going to make if they are the ones who come out with a cure for cancer? And how much would they lose if they actually killed a bunch of people in a trial study? I think that this has a very low chance of being true. Um, I work with uh, doctors and 
these brilliant, brilliant postdoctoral research fellows and graduate students. And the number of people that you would have to convince to keep this secret, hundreds of doctors all across the world, plus these brilliant young people that are coming out of college, wanting to make a name for themselves, who figure this out and get silenced by Big Pharma or get bought off. Like, it's just the breadth of this conspiracy would just have to be way too big. Yeah, they are amazing researchers at Dana-Farber. That's where I got my care. And my doctor is a second generation researcher there. She's been going on rounds with her father since she was a little kid. Well, and if anything, these doctors and these young people who are becoming doctors would be famous. They're incentivized to find the cure for cancer. Their name would go down in history. I also want to point out that these people have the most experience in dealing with people who have cancer as well. They spend the most time with people who have cancer probably out of anyone you know personally, unless you're personally involved in fighting cancer yourself. So they would have to be the biggest jerks in the world to see us all suffering and be like, well, screw you guys. We're keeping this a secret. I just don't know what would motivate them. That's the thing. It's like, what would possibly motivate them? And I think what's interesting is it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about trying to find something that you can personally control. So what does that Mm. come back to? I mean, it comes back to food. Yeah. It comes back to things that we can somehow get a hold of for free. or And look, I used a lot of supplements. I used a lot of vitamins supportively to get mm-hmm. me through the harsh chemicals that went into my body through this treatment and some harsh surgeries and whatnot. But yeah. I'm telling you, like, I feel like you can move the dial either one point or ten points according to how bad your diet is in the beginning. Right. But it's and, – and of course so, – So supplements aren't uh... – cure for cancer even though when you get diagnosed with cancer people will say well are you taking vitamin c or did you take an aspirin a day or are you using witch hazel or a million other things in terms of diet or supplement that there's a cure i think that it's all in the name it's a supplement it's not Mm -hmm. primary it's a supplement and it's the same with your diet of course you're going to feel better if you eat a better diet whether you're well or whether you're sick and you definitely should clean your diet up. That You should make it the best diet you've ever had. Um, I personally think you should probably just cut out sugar right away. You know, it's just a good idea. Just try to minimize it. Well, and if you're going to believe in cancer conspiracies, believe in the cancer conspiracies that make you, like, make your life better anyway. Right? Yeah, exactly. Cl- clean so, up your diet. Well, look, and you don't, you don't have to be so absolute either. So, get. I mean, here's my... I mean, my philosophy, I think you used this too, Leanne. I was like, okay, so I'm going to get the chemotherapy. I'm going to get a bilateral mastectomy voluntarily because I'm going to really just take care of business and get that all removed. However, um, you know, I am going to continue to drink beer. I'm going to do that even though I know, well, maybe not. But I, it, it's one of those things that makes life worth living. And I'm going to continue to eat the full fat cheese now and again. Yeah. Thank you very much. You know you, what I mean? Like, you you make your choices just like in life, any yeah. kind of life. You can't live your life to prevent something that we don't really know all of the causes. We don't know everything about what causes it. And that's that's a rough thing to build your life around. There's some fun stuff you can take advantage of. Like one of the things I really got into knowing that one of my chemotherapies that was really effective was based on um, tree oils. It was Taxol, and I think you had that too. Yes. So I just um, took advantage of I, – I learned more about tree oils, and I thought about it, and I started to rub my feet with um, 
tea tree oil, eucalyptus oil. I think I use birch oil at various points just to sort of augment the process. And also it smells really nice. It, it does smell really nice. Makes your feet soft. <laughs> I don't think that essential oils cure cancer. No. But here's here's where we talk about the placebo effect. That's 30% sometimes. The placebo effect is a real thing yeah. that even if I know that this necklace isn't going to make me less stressed out, yeah. my belief that it might will help me feel better. Agreed. I got really into crystals. Can I defend it? No. Can I feel it? Yes. Yeah. Does and it matter? Do I have to justify it to anyone? Good God, no. Not at any time, but especially not at this time. Because however someone accesses that placebo effect, the healing powers of the placebo effect, let them do it. Totally. I think my cancer stone really helped me. Oh, I have a cancer stone too. Yeah. From my masseuse who gave me a crystal. It's yeah. a rose crystal. I had my best friend bring these things with me into surgery um, to make sure that I like had them nearby. They weren't with me in the surgical room because they have, it's just to be sterile, obviously. But they were with me like right afterwards. She was awesome about making sure that I had all my little shrine right there. And well, again, and placebo. Just like why not heighten everything? Yeah. And control. If you feel like right. you have a sense of control, that's exactly. better for you. That's better for your care team that's better for everyone exactly so i think sometimes too it's like we were talking about i think the diet you know it it has both right because if you improve your diet you're not only going to have a better feeling internally in your body most likely going through this but you're also going to feel that sense of control too and then you have that placebo effect kick in so you've just amplified it god knows how much you know and i think that's and i think that's an awesome protocol to sort of say it's just like do what makes you feel good during this time. And, you know, while I'll say, well, cutting sugar out makes me feel in control and that's good. Well, hey, I've been dealing with a slight eating disorder since I was 12. If it makes you feel good to eat sugar and you're like, these are my magic unicorn cookies, you do you and eat that. Yeah. And maybe you clean up your diet in a different way. So, so our first protocol is do what makes you feel good and don't judge others for how they uh, access the placebo effect. Exactly. Protocol number two is accept that you might never know what caused your cancer. And here's what I'll just say to that, too, is that you may have a story, though. You may have a story. And I have a story that I believe where my cancer came from. And it's a multi... <laughs> It's a multi-string story that's very heavily braided, but it's my story. And it's fine if you have your story. Yeah, it's fine if you have your story, but you might never have confirmation of that story. Correct. And you might have to change your story in 10 years or 20 years if they come out with more information. Exactly. And I think that's it. We may never know what really caused this. Okay. There's also, so protocol number three, there's also maybe no magic bullet. Exactly. I mean, there's no one kind of cancer, so there's no one kind of cancer cure. And even if there is a magic bullet in our future, we don't have it yet. Mm -hmm. So even though this is appealing, like, accept that maybe, maybe not. Maybe not right now. And I say just look to the future. Just think about rebuilding you, your 2.0 version. Look ahead and say, hey, thanks, cancer. <laughs> thanks, cancer. Um, so you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter with Thanks Cancer. 
And we'd love to hear your stories. So reach out to us at info at thanksCancer.com if you would like to reach out to us more personally. And um, we really look forward to hearing from you soon. Go to iTunes, uh, subscribe, give us a review if we, you're so inclined. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much, you guys. Thanks, Mimi. Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Cancer. Well, the traffic stopped you lay on the horn and you ask yourself, where is my cancer unicorn? But we're at the gate with your cancer card. We're your passport date because cancer's damn hard. Oh, thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. Thanks, Cancer. Victories in the dark.